Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join lead pastor Mike Wiggins with the message, Dynamite. So Acts chapter one and two, if you found that chapter, I'm gonna kind of summarize both chapters this morning, but if you found Acts one, just say amen so I know you're there. All right, let's go to the Lord. Father, we are so grateful for your word and the clear direction that it gives us as your church. We're so thankful, Lord, that the church was not man's idea. But Jesus, you're the one who said in Matthew 16, I will build my church, my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And so we thank you, Lord, that we are your bride, you are the groom, we are the church, and you are the head of the church. And Lord, we ask that this church would be a dynamic church, not because of our strength, power, intelligence, ingenuity, but for one reason and one reason alone, because of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we're thankful that when you went up, you and the Father sent the Spirit down to empower and enable and indwell and give gifts to your church. And so Lord, help us not to go to church Help us to be the church. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said again, amen. amen. So after Jesus rose from the dead, you need to know that there was a period of 40 days before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so resurrection, right, death for our sins, buried, resurrection, but then we often forget there's this period of 40 days before he uh, rises or ascends to the right hand of the Father. Um, I, I like to call those 40 days his post-resurrection days, and er, during that time, there was these intermittent meetings that the Lord had with his disciples, post-resurrection meetings. Two of them stand out to me. If you're taking notes, uh, the post-resurrection meetings, the first one that jumps out at me is his meeting with his disciples in Galilee, that's the northern part of Israel. And then there was other post-resurrection meetings, but another one that jumps out at me was his uh, last meeting with the disciples. That can be found in Jerusalem. That's where we're gonna spend most of our time later in the message, in Jerusalem, and that can be found in Acts chapter one, verses one through 11. Let's start with Galilee. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said, hey, Tell the disciples, meet me in Galilee. And, and all of a sudden they were there and he showed up, the resurrected Christ. And when they saw him, they hit the ground and they began to worship the Lord, even though it says that some doubted. There's always, in every crowd, doubters. In every crowd, there's skeptics. These people were looking at the resurrected Christ and some of them still doubted. You may be here today in this, in this room or watching online or listening later, and you may be a skeptic, you may be a doubter. You need to know that we are so glad that you're here, and we're so glad that you're listening in. And our prayer is that supernaturally, God would get your attention and do whatever it takes to get your attention, and that you would turn to Christ in repentance and faith. But most of them were worshiping the Lord. They can't believe it, it's him, look! The, the Lord is alive from the dead. And they hit their faces. And then later they get up and Jesus says this to the disciples. 
He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all the nations, ethnos, not just countries, but people groups, and I'll leave that for another sermon. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's a trinity once again in the New Testament woven throughout the entire New Testament, one God, three persons, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And then he goes on to say, and lo, I'll, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. We call these immortal words the Great Commission. And they have been the church's marching orders for the last 2,000 years. And so what is the bride of Christ? What is the church called to do? We're called to make disciples, okay? So what is a disciple? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus Christ, but not just a follower. A disciple is a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. Now, when we started this church 13 and a half to 14 years ago, we decided we're gonna take Jesus' words to heart. And so from the Great Commission, we later on in the history of our church developed this vision statement. Our vision is to help people become what? Of Christ. Lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. What is our vision for the future? It's to keep on doing what we've been doing for the last 13 and a half years. And that is number one priority, make disciples. Help people become lifelong Followers. That, that word lifelong is really important because far too many people start off with a bang, but then all of a sudden they fizzle out, and before you know it, they're completely gone. So many people, they make a profession of faith in Christ, they get all excited, they go to church maybe a month, maybe six months, maybe a year, a year but then all of a sudden, it's like, where's so-and-so? I don't know, have you seen so-and-so? Nope, where'd they go? You call, leave messages, there's no, no, no return call. What, what happened? What happened was they fizzled out. I call people like this firework Christians. They light up the sky. They make quite a show for a little while. We say, woo, wow, that's so impressive. But then they go up and smoke. After just a little while, and they're never seen again. They start off with a bang, but then they fizzle out. Therefore, they are not lifelong followers, they are temporary followers, and therefore they are not followers at all. At Calvary, what's our passion, what's our heart? We want to help people follow Jesus for their entire lives. And that means that Someday, by God's grace, when you and I get to our deathbed, if God gives us the grace to even have a deathbed, we can actually look back on our lives from the time we received Christ until the time we're getting ready to go home and be with the Lord. And we can look back at that whole experience and we can say something like this to the Lord. I was far from perfect. Any per per perfect people here this morning? No? And so I was far from perfect, but this is what I know. By God's grace, by the help of his Holy Spirit, I was enabled by God to follow Jesus and his teachings my entire life, or at least since I received the Lord until this day. The question you gotta answer in your heart is, do you, 
Do you wanna be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ? Now the best example I can find in the New Testament of lifelong followers are the members of the early church. Their story can be found in the opening pages of the book of Acts, and so that leads us to our next post-resurrection meeting between Jesus and his disciples. First one was up in Galilee, other ones that we're not gonna talk about this morning, but now here's his last one, and that is his post-resurrection meeting in the city of Jerusalem. And so Luke, Luke the physician, Luke the historian, he writes the following to his friend Theophilus in Acts chapter one, verse one. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up or ascended. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself, look at this in verse three, he presented himself what? Alive, Jesus is alive. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during how many days? 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension. During 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now you need to know for purposes of our message, that at this point in the Bible, the apostles, the disciples, were already born again believers, right? In John chapter 20, verse 22, the resur- this is another post-resurrection resur- meeting, um, but Jesus in John 20, 22, the resurrected Christ, walks into the room and there's the disciples. And what, do you guys remember what, what Jesus said to them? I'll remind you, he said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. Now, I need to tell you that if Jesus walks into a room, the resurrected Christ, and he breathes on some people, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, they're gonna actually receive the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm amazed at how many commentators say, well, this, they didn't really receive the Spirit at this point. Um, they, this was just symbolic. No, no. They received, look, Jesus died for their sins. He rose again. There's the gospel. They see him, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, and so they're regenerated. They're born again. And when you turn to Christ in faith, and you receive the, uh, and you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You are a container of God. The Holy Spirit indwells you. You are sealed until the day of redemption. That happened for the disciples in John 20, verse 22. They were indwelt by the Spirit. But if you're with me right now, say amen. Amen. Don't get distracted. Right now, we're not in John 20. We're in Acts 1 and 2. And so in Acts 1 and 2, which comes 40 days later, Jesus is about to tell them about another experience, another experience for the disciples in which the Holy Spirit would not just indwell them, but he would baptize or empower them. Okay, so look at verse four. In verse four, it says that while Jesus, because that's who the context is talking about, the resurrected Christ, and while he was staying with them, He ordered, wow, that's a heavy word. So this is not a suggestion. 
he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Wait, wait. Everybody say wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the who? Not many days from now. By the way, um, in verse four, you see the promise of the Father, and of verse four, which you heard from me, that's Jesus, the Son, and in verse five, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, once again, there's the Trinity, one God, three persons. And so Jesus was with the disciples in Jerusalem. He says, guys, I don't want you to go off and start your ministries yet. I don't want you to go out there and start sharing Christ. I don't want you to go out there and start planting churches. I want you to wait. And I want you to pray. Pray for what? Pray for the promise of the Father. What is that? Jesus tells us in verse five. He says, John baptized with water, but you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so the Father's promise, by the way, thank God, not just to the early church, but to this church and all churches today. The promise of the Father is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about right now, different subject, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and he talked about how when we get saved, uh, we're, the, we're, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the universal church of, uh, of God. Hey, that's true, that's not the subject on the table today. The, the Father's promise is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What does the word baptism mean? Baptizo means to immerse, it means to submerge, and it means to overwhelm. BLB is a blue letter Bible, a great online tool if you're new to Calvary, uh, which we use all the time. Baptizo, we're not talking about water baptism here either, right? Because Jesus said, John baptized with water, that's great. No, but you guys, you're gonna be baptizo, immersed, submerged, overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so Jesus was about to leave. He's about to return to the right hand of the Father. And by the way, if that was you and me, and we're a disciple, and he says he's leaving, I think that would cause us to be a little anxious. We'd be a little worried. We'd be a little afraid. Don't go, Jesus. Man, we've been with you for three and a half years. We need you around. <laughs> it's, by the way, very convenient to have Jesus around. <laughs> Please don't go away. Hey, but they didn't have to worry. Why? I've said it a million times. Because when Jesus went up, the power, love, and wisdom of the Holy Spirit came down to the whole church. The Holy Spirit, the forgotten member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who turns dead churches into dynamic, alive churches, the Holy Spirit who will invade your life if you'll let him and change everything about you and who you are. And so, hey, Jesus would say, you don't have to worry about me going up to the Father because the Spirit's coming down. He's gonna immerse and submerge and overwhelm you. But then what, will ha what would happen after that? Okay, jump down to verse eight. Verse by verse starts next week. This is more of a summary this week. 
It says in verse eight, but you will receive, what's the word? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come, Greek preposition E-P-I, not E-N, not in, not indwelling, they were already indwelt with the Holy Spirit in John 20, 22. Does that make sense to you guys? See, every single word in this book is important. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so after the disciples had been baptized with the Holy Spirit, they would receive power. What's the word power mean in the Greek? Strength, power, ability. Dunamis. So we get our English word dynamite from the Greek word dunamis. And so this is what Jesus is basically saying to his early disciples. He's saying this, guys, I've got a lot of ministry for you to do. By the way, how many of you guys have read the book of Acts? It's a lot of ministry, right? I got a lot of ministry for you to do. But I don't want you to go off and start ministering right now. Not yet. I want you to wait. I want you to pray for the promise of the Father, the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what's gonna happen. If you go off and start ministering, start serving, start sharing about Christ, without this power, you will fail. Your churches will be dead. And nothing will happen, nothing that can impact all eternity. But if you'll just wait, if you'll just go up to an upper room and pray, and ask for the promise of the Father, then he'll change everything about you and your ministry, and your ministry will be dynamic. It will be like dynamite. I love the mountains. Anybody love the mountains in here? I guess because I'm a Florida boy and I like a change of scenery every once in a while. By the way, has anybody that lives in Florida, have any of you ever seen even a hill in Florida? I, th I think in northern Orlando, there's some hills up there but I can't find hills. And so my wife and I like to go up to the mountains at least once a year. We like to just, I love Florida, I'm not complaining. God's got me here, praise the Lord. I'll be here, Lord willing, the rest of my life. But I love getting away to the mountains. I love being in the mountains. I love driving in the mountains. I love windy mountain roads. It's a, it's, it's, and here, here's why. Because around the bend, there's another beautiful piece of God's scenery. And so often when my wife and I are up in the mountains, we'll drive around a, a bend and we'll, somebody will say, pull over, right? And next thing you know, we're pulling the car over. We're getting out. We're walking up to the rail. Be careful, you know? And, and we're looking out and wow, we just stare. Look at that waterfall. Look at that river. Look at that lake. Yay, God, right? And, and by the way, did you know that much of the beauty that we see in the mountains could never happen without the use in the past of dynamite. You see, they use dynamite and now other explosives to go up in the mountains to create these mountain roads. They use dynamite and now other explosives to go up in the mountains and create these tunnels. And they do it at least two reasons. One is so that we can keep moving forward through the rough terrain of the mountains. And two, so we can reach 
some of the most beautiful sights that God's green earth has to offer us. Jesus said, you will receive power, dynamite power, when the Holy Spirit does not just comes inside of you, but when he comes upon you. And so then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so just like dynamite creates these roads to help us as travelers keep moving forward through the rough terrain of the mountains, listen, the power of the Holy Spirit will enable you and me to keep moving forward through the rough places of life, through the storms of life, through the famines of life, when you got relational problems and financial problems and work problems and people problems or whatever problems that you got. Listen, it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might nor by man's power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And when you're in, not just indwelt, but when you're overflowing with the Holy Spirit, he gives you what you need to persevere through that difficult time. Not only that, right, not only that, but he will, just like dynamite creates these roads and tunnels to help us to get to these beautiful places that we would never be able to see without it, so the power, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit in your life will help you reach beautiful places spiritually in your life that you never could reach on your own. You see, what I'm talking about is that some of you need to be not just indwelt, but you need to be filled, immersed, submerged, overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit so that he can take you to a higher level, so that he can take you to a beautiful place spiritually because it's the power of the Spirit that'll change your marriage and help you stay together as man and wife. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that holds families together and help those families to be healthy and whole. It's the power of the Spirit that'll make you a better spouse and make you a better parent and make you a better employee and make you a better employer and make you a better neighbor. It's the power, it's the forgotten member of the Trinity that'll transform your life and transform this church. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Say we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Let them know, go. We welcome you. We welcome him. We're not afraid of him. Hey, I, I know what you see sometimes on TV. People jumping over pews and swinging from the chandeliers and barking like dogs and clucking like chickens and you think those people have lost their minds. That's not the baptism with the Holy Spirit, no. He said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will swing from chandeliers. You will jump over pews. You'll act like an idiot? No. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you'll be my witnesses. You will witness, you will be able through your words and your deeds, your lips and your life to be able to accurately represent Jesus Christ so that when you're around people, it's not your intelligence, your ingenuity, it's not you that's impressing anybody, it's the Spirit who is in you and all around and he's touching people's lives. That's what we need in this church. Pastor Chuck Smith, when he was alive, the founder of Calvary Chapel, used to call it the overflow. I like that. Not just in, but filling to overflowing and impacting other people's lives. 
And so now, in verse nine, I'm just gonna summarize, Jesus ascends to the Father, to the upper room of heaven. The disciples, they go to the upper room in Jerusalem. There's 120 of them, they're waiting, they're praying. They didn't go out and start ministering, they didn't go out and start sharing. They're waiting, they're praying for the promise of the Father, and in Acts 2, the promise came. Okay, so look at Acts chapter two, starting in verse one. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it, what's the word? Filled. The entire house where they were sitting. You see, I think it's important not just that we're filled with the Spirit, but our homes are filled with the Spirit. Our houses are filled with the Spirit. Our church buildings. Sometimes you hear people say, God doesn't you know, fill or dwell buildings. He, he, he fills and dwells people. Well, yeah, that's true, but hey, in Acts 2, the presence of the Holy Spirit filled the entire house. We want the Spirit to come and change the whole environment. And so, and it says now, so this mighty rushing wind, it fills the entire house where they were sitting. By the way, they were sitting, by the way, they're not jumping over pews. Just a quick side note. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So they have this amazing vision of these fire, fiery tongues. And it says in verse four, and they were all, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. By the way, gift of tongues, the most by far argued about subject in the entire church today. The gift of tongues, so many churches divide over it, argue about it, get in the flesh all about it. What you need to know here at Calvary and Calvary chapels all around the world, we believe that all the gifts are all for today. Okay, and sometimes I'll reference different Bible teachers and commentators because we agree 95% with what they teach, but they're cessationists. They think that not, not all the gifts are for today. Some of the gifts have ceased. We don't believe that here. We believe all the, we need all the gifts to reach our community just like they did in the first century. Okay, so all the gifts are for today. Now, is tongues abused? Yes. Is it faked? Yes. I know people personally who fake tongues to try to fit into a crowd. That's, that's ridiculous. By the way, does every person have the gift of tongues? No. You can later on read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very last verse in that chapter, and you'll see that not all the gifts, including tongues, are for all the people. And so we just need some accurate teaching about this legitimate gift for today, and we need to stop arguing about it and focus on what's really needed, and that is the filling, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna draw your attention, please look at me, in Acts 1.5, Jesus says to the disciples, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Acts 1.5. Now we're in Acts 2.4. The promise of the Father is happening, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, same thing. Those terms can be used synonymously. I say that because some of you are scared of the term baptism with the Spirit because of a past experience or what you see on TV. And so if you wanna use filled with the Spirit, use filled with the Spirit. If you wanna use baptized with the Spirit, use that. It doesn't matter. Let's not get all uh, crazy about terms. The question is not, what's not, not is, the question is not what is your term. The question is, do you have it? in your life. And so when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. They went from an ordinary Christians to dynamic Christians, and the same thing can happen to you. You say, me, yes, you. This is one of my favorite subjects. I would love to go on and on, and so I can't for time, so I refer you to a great resource on the baptism with the Spirit. It's only 80 pages long. Make sure you get the right author, okay? Especially if you go to Amazon and you buy the book. Don't just buy any book about the baptism with the Spirit. R.A. Torrey is the name of the author. He was a contemporary of D.L. Moody. Moody was the preacher. R.A. Torrey was the scholar and the writer. And Moody asked him to write down one of his favorite R.A. Torrey sermons on the baptism with the Spirit. We still have it today. I think you can get it on Amazon for like six bucks. But get it, read it, and you'll really enjoy it, but the most important thing is do what he says in the book so that you can go from an ordinary Christian to a dynamic Christian. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. He preaches a dynamic message. The result is 3,000 people turn to Christ in faith, and then they get in the water and they're baptized and so on the day of Pentecost, the church is born, 120 praying in the upper room, all of a sudden, by a miracle of God, becomes 3,120 people now in the church, the early church. That is our model. And so you need to know, if you're gonna make Calvary PSL your church home in 2018, that our model is the early church, the Acts 2 church. Why? Because number one, we wanna be biblical. We want everything we do here to be biblical, and then number two, we see a dynamic church that changed their city, and we would love to experience the same thing here at Calvary. So let's, let's, let's take a closer look at our model, jump all the way now to, after Peter's sermon, to verse 41. So Acts 2, 41. It says, so those who received his word were baptized, that's water baptism, after the sermon of Peter. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So that's a pretty big jump, 120 to 3,120. But I wanna focus in on verse 42. It says, and they, this is the, the church, the early church, devoted. Can you say the word devoted? So they're not casual Christians by any stretch of the imagination. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, 
and prayers. And so if you're taking notes, we learn from verse 42 that the early church devoted themselves to those four things. This is our model. This is what we do here at Calvary. Okay, so our vision is to help people become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We follow the model, the Acts 2 church. They're continuing steadfastly, this New King James devoted ESV, in the apostles' doctrine. Okay, so who are the apostles? This is, this is so simple. Matthew, right? John, Peter, James, Jude. And so they taught. And thank God somebody wrote it down because they died. But guess what? We have their teachings. It's called the New Testament. So we have it. And so how do you, as a church, devote yourself to apostles' doctrine? You teach the word of God, like we do every single Sunday, whether it's me or one of the other pastors. This is what we're devoted to. And by the way, here at Calvary, we do emphasize the New Testament, not because it's better than the Old Testament. We emphasize the New Testament because we're not under the Old Covenant anymore. We are now under the New Covenant, and so we will definitely go back to the Old Testament, we'll use illustrations, we'll give knowledge, but we're gonna focus on the apostles' doctrine. Next week, we start the book of Mark, we're gonna go through it verse by verse. Mark got his stuff from Peter. Who's Peter? An apostle. All right, so apostles' doctrine, fellowship, I'm gonna talk about that in depth here in a second. Breaking of bread, that's communion, and prayer. Now let's see what happened. Um, jump down to verse 46, please. Chapter two, verse 46. It says, day by day, attending the temple together. If you have New King James, they, they met on the temple courts. And breaking bread in their homes. So they're hanging out in, the, in their homes, breaking bread. It says in verse 46, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, not man, not women, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so these early believers got together in two primary places. They got together, first of all, on the temple courts. Okay, if you know anything about Herod's temple, the courts were ginormous, and they needed a big place, 3,120 and growing. And so they got together as a large group. We would liken that to one of our weekend services. But it didn't, it didn't stop there. And I'm, I'm emphasizing that because some of you guys, that's all you do, you go to church. And I'm calling you today, in January of 2018, that this year, you need to stop just going to church and you need to be the church. Because it's not just about meeting together in a large group. These people got together in their homes. Why? Because as a church grows larger, it's got to grow smaller. Put yourself in the sandals of a first century believer. There you are, you go to the temple courts, Thousands of people. You're going to church. There's Peter and James, but do they even see me? Hello? Do they even know I'm here? Does anybody know my name? Man, this church is too big. This church is so impersonal. But then, thank God for leaders in the church who are proactive. A leader walks up 
to you and says, hey, how you doing? My name's Bartholomew. You can call me Bart for short. What's your name? You tell them your, your name. Man, we're so glad you came to our weekend service, but um, can I ask you, um, what area do you live? Oh, I, I'm over in Bethany, just over the Mount of Olives. Great, Bartholomew says. I got a friend named Thomas. He's got a small group in Bethany. He used to be a doubter. Now he's a believer. Hey, hey, Thomas, come over here. And, and now all of a sudden, you're being introduced to Thomas. And Thomas says, hey, yeah, Thursday night, six o'clock. We'd love to have you. So you go over to Thomas's house over in Bethany, and there's eight to 12 people. Now all of a sudden, a large group is starting to become more like family. Do you see how it works? There's nothing wrong with big churches. The first century church was a big church. As long as, as the church grows larger, it keeps growing smaller. And that's what we're asking you to do in 2018. We're asking you to join a Calvary group during the week. Here's your next point. In Calvary groups, you can find friends to connect with. You can find truth from God's word. And you can find joy in serving other people. You see, Calvary, PSL, is so much more than our weekend services. So much more. And so, if you're just coming to a weekend service, guess what? You're missing out on so much, you're missing out on friends to connect with. If you're just coming to a weekend service, you're missing out on deeper truth from God's word because what we're gonna do in 2018 for most of our groups is that we're going to, I'll teach Mark verse by verse during the weekend service, but then during the week, our groups are gonna get together and they're gonna take the sermon, my sermon, and they're gonna discuss it at a deeper level in a group of eight to 12. They're gonna talk about how, hey, how can we go use Pastor Mike's sermon and Mark this, this week, how can we apply this to our lives? As you're serving one another, encouraging one another, as you're praying for one another, as you're ministering to one another, you're going deeper into God's word. So most of our groups in 2018 will be sermon-based groups. But not only that, um, the third point in our Calvary groups is you can find joy in serving other people. You see, in healthy churches, it's not just the pastors who serve. Please, please hear this. In healthy churches, it's not just the pastors who serve. Every member is a minister. And so we would love to see Lots of people serving in two areas in 2018. We'd love to see you serving during the weekend. So you come to church, you come in here, you worship the Lord, you come for the first song, the first note of the first song. How many of you guys were here for the first note of the first song? Let me see your hand. Praise the Lord. You got to hear Pastor Will uh, be used by the Lord to, to, to share. Those of you who came in late, you didn't get to hear that first song. I wanna encourage you in 2018, leave for church 10 minutes, er so simple, leave church 10 minutes earlier. Saturday at six, Sunday at nine, Sunday at 11. Get here 10 minutes early, check your kids in, come in before the first note of the first song because our worship is just as important as our teaching. Thank you, 10 people who said amen. But, but listen, it's true. You need to experience the presence of the Lord in our, we have an awesome worship team 
And so come early, come early. We would love to see you go to a service, but then serve at another service. You can figure out that out as you pray, but then also serve in your Calvary group uh, during the week. And so we're gonna jump down to our next steps. What are, what are your next steps? We wanna make it really simple for you guys. And so the first thing, which I spent most of the sermon on, is we wanna encourage you to be filled, not just indwelt, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so get the R.A. Tory book, read the 80 pages, learn more about the baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit. Let God do that work inside of you to transform you from just an ordinary Christian to, by his power and strength, a dynamic Christian. And then we wanna encourage you to join a Calvary group. Okay, so during the week, this is our, our groups that are gonna be meeting all over Port St. Lucie. In the next three Sundays, before the message, Pastor Jacob will come out, he'll give you simple, clear instructions on how you can join a Calvary group, okay? And then join a Calvary serve team. So serve the Lord um, uh, during a weekend service, even if it's twice a month, just make that commitment. Serve in our children's ministry, greeters, ushers, parking lot, prayer partners, uh, creative arts team, tech team, safety team, security team, refreshment team. I don't, I don't wanna start doing this because I forget people, but you get the idea, right? All right, so here's super simple. Here's what you do. You go to our website. When you go to our website, you click on Next Steps, and then you can click on Calvary Groups. That'll tell you how to join a group. And then you click on Calvary Serve Team. That'll show you how to serve the Lord during a weekend service. If you're brand new to Calvary, our next Discover Calvary class is coming up on January the 18th, 6.30. We'll feed you, we'll take care of your kids. If you wanna make this your church home, that's your next step, come to Discover Calvary. I tried to stay as simple as I could this morning, but I think these are clear next steps for you guys to help you not just go to church, but to be the church in 2018. Amen? Let's all stand for closing prayer. Prayer partners, please come forward. They're here for you. If you need prayer as everyone exits, you can come up and get the prayer that you need. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for the example of the early church. May it always be our model. And may we, 2,000 years later, be a dynamic, spirit-filled church that honors you. And we pray these things in your name and all God's people said. God bless you, we love you. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we wanna help. Visit our website at calvarypsl.com. Click on I'm new here, then knowing Christ.